Hello and welcome to Dangerous Ideas, the podcast of the Socialist Party of Ireland. I'm Shane, your host today, and with me is Killeen Gillespie and Kevin Henry, Socialist Party members. So, on this edition, on this episode of Dangerous Ideas, we'll be looking at the events of August 1969 in Northern Ireland, specifically the Battle of the Bogside and developments flowing from that. What was the Battle of the Bogside? It was the heroic eruption of the people of the Bogside and Craigan against the oppressive arms of the Unionist state. It was three days of protests and defence against the onslaught from the police and it showed a heroic struggle against a discriminatory state. So uh, with me today are uh, Socialist Party activists Killian Gillespie and Kevin Henry. Can you give some backdrop to the events leading up to the explosion in August 1969 in the North? What were the factors radicalising society in Northern Ireland in the 1960s? Like, can you go into what was the nature of the workers' movement, the conditions of the workers' movement at the time, the amount of strikes, the nature of the Northern Irish Labour Party? Uh, what was the what rate of sectarianism? Was that a real barrier for workers' unity? Uh, and maybe if you could flesh out the nature of the Northern Irish state. Yeah, so um, I'll start where you ended and, and uh, work forward. Uh, obviously, the um, Northern Irish state was created in the 1920s after the partition of, of Ireland. And the state that was created in the north was a, um, a sectarian state based on you know the idea of a Protestant state for a Protestant people as the Unionist establishment would have people believe uh, and that state's engaged in the discrimination against the Catholic population um, the introduction of gerrymandering to avoid uh, avoid the election of MPs outside of the Unionist fold uh, not just nationalists but Labour MPs the election or the, the use of uh, you know discrimination when it came to jobs when it came to housing uh, um, and linked to that, the um, the votes for regional governments being uh, connected to the, the ownership of house housing, which uh, not only discriminated against Catholic workers but workers as, as a whole. And that was uh, uh, obviously at the same time you had the creation of a, a state in the south, which was a a, a, a conservative Catholic state, um, and what Connolly described as um, a carnival reaction on both sides. Uh, off the border. So that was the, the state that uh, existed for 50 years up until uh, the 1960s. The impression you get from reading history is that unionism was completely dominant. Um, little is told of the history of uh, class struggle, not just prior to partition, but during, uh, afterwards. In the 1930s, you had massive struggles of the Catholic and Protestant unemployed. Uh, 1940s struggles in the shipyards. Uh, and then in the 1960s, you have the, the growth and support to the civil rights movement alongside uh, support for uh, the labor the labor movement. And that was born out of a change in people's conditions that it saw um, more integration in terms of housing, new uh, um, companies which uh, had more of an integrated workplace, a workforce, uh, but also uh, growth and support of the labor movement. So for example, the Northern Ireland Labour Party done extremely well in the elections uh, at that uh, uh, period. 1974, they got 72,000 votes uh, alongside other Labour candidates from 
uh, different uh, that weren't directly connected to the Northern Ireland Labour Party. And he also had um, significant growth and support in, in terms of the trade union movement, numbers of strikes at record levels in 1960 1967 Yes, uh, I think if you look at 1968, obviously it goes down in history as the year of revolutionary uh, revolt. It took place against the backdrop, against the growing upheaval internationally against the Vietnam War. Uh, in January of that year, the degree to which US imperialism, a humilia- humiliation in Vietnam was shown with the Tet Offensive, the Viet Cong or the Viet Minh launched an all-out assault in South Vietnam. And the images were all over US TV and so on, showing the degree to which they were being forced back. It was the year that saw revolts in a whole number of countries as as varied as uh, Pakistan, where there was a revolt against the military dictatorship. It was a year that saw revolt against Stalinism in Czechoslovakia, beginning of the Prague Spring, culminating in the brutal repression of the Prague Spring in August of that year. And it was also a year... Uh, I mean, if you take October the 5th, 1968, uh, that was, I think, well, it was the second main, the second civil rights demonstration took place. But if you look at the events taking place in the days preceding that and uh, after that, uh, it it was around the time of the Olympic Games in Mexico, uh, Mexico City. uh, And days before October the the 5th, uh, hundreds uh, of students were massacred by the uh, the Mexican regime who are protest workers and students have been protesting against the regime in the run up to the Olympic Games. And then at the Olympic Games itself, days after October 5th, uh, you had the famous Black Power salute being given by uh, Tommy Smith and John Carlos. But I think crucially, probably one of the most significant events of 1968 was uh, what took place in France, where in May of that year, you had really a revolutionary explosion. Uh, of the working class, 10 million, the largest general strike in history, 10 million workers uh, on strike on the streets, occupying their workplaces, uh, forming action committees, forming their own self-government from below. De Gaulle uh, fled the country, being of the opinion that the game was up. And that really had a huge impact throughout Europe. And the, the idea, I suppose, for want of a better word, the zeitgeist of 1968 was one of revolutionary upheaval, that anything was possible, that revolutionary change was a real possibility. And of course it was, particularly in the case of France, but it was sold out by the leadership, by the Stalinist leadership of the French Communist Party that in reality came to the rescue of French capitalism. And then 1969, that same upheaval, uh, you know, it didn't dissipate globally. Uh, in Italy, for example, you had what was known as the hot, hot autumn, where you had a, a period of revolutionary upheaval, occupation, strike movements taking place. And, uh, you know, it's not an international event, obviously, but what was taking place in the South also had an impact on the North, where, again, you had a growing, as Kevin talked about the North, about the growing strike movement uh, in the North. You had a growing strike movement in, in the South as well from the mid-60s onwards. Uh, in fact, the South was the at the top of the league table, the number of strike days lost was top in terms of the OECD countries, a rather defunct Labour Party began to fill out 
with thousands of young people joining it, uh, was shift, it shifted to the left. So really, I think it is very important to put the events in the north of this year in an international context because it's an, it's an important lesson for today that international events can have a huge event impact uh, on the north and, and you know can can give a can give a real fill up to the development of an anti-sectarian left-wing socialist alternative so regarding the events in late 1968 and 1969 in the north um kevin could you give like an outline or a description of what was occurring like what was the potential of the civil rights movement to challenge the economic political and social status in the north as well as that it would be good if you could come in maybe like flesh out what happened on october 5th and many ways what happened on October uh, in 1968 was the significant escalation of the, of the civil rights struggle, where for a number of years beforehand you had uh, agitation and campaigning and protests, etc., for the demands of the civil rights movement. But on the 5th of October you had a demonstration largely organised by young socialists in Derry that was uh, banned by the the Indian's government, the protesters decided to go ahead anyway. All you have is significant repression by the the police, um, which is video video recorded and goes across the world. And so, for the first time, people see the violence in, in Northern Ireland uh, in their, on their television uh, sets. That provokes a strong reaction among the. Uh, young uh, Catholic population, young people in the Catholic population in general, we have significant protests across uh, the states. Um, in Derry, there was pressure to have a general strike in the city, although the, the more nationalist uh, middle-class uh, leaders were successful in um, opposing that. There was massive demonstration organised in response to the 5th October repression. And that's was a significant escalation. These events later in early uh, six, sorry, in early '69, the repression in Burntullet when uh, the People's Democracy Group tried to organise a march from Belfast to Derry after the O'Neill government uh, were forced to implement, uh, agree some concessions, but hadn't followed through. And that all leads up to, of course, to what happens in '69. Uh, uh, I think one of the Interesting things about this period is is the um, the political character of who is leading the, the, the protest. Killian mentioned what was happening internationally, but a lot of the people protesting the fifth of October, nineteen sixty eight, had just came from another demonstration in on Czechoslovakia, and that reflected the left wing nature of, of of those protesting, as did the demands of the protesters, which was about worker class unity about uh, jobs for all and that was very important in terms of being able to appeal to the protestant population who at this point you know could have been brought on board the struggle uh, particularly the young people and working class people if, if the, uh, the movement had have had a leadership that was prepared to explain that these are about fighting for jobs and services for all you, if you read for example peter haddon's book common history common struggle he quotes figures like gregory campbell who of course will be known today as a prominent figure in the DEP, uh, who makes the point that for him the civil rights struggle didn't appeal to him because he had, he was living the same conditions. And and there's a truth 
and, and, and I was presented as these are Catholic rights over Protestant rights, and there's a truth to that. If you look at the conditions in the Shankill at the time, uh, I think over 90% of people didn't have outdoor uh, or didn't have indoor toilets. And one of the what was necessary was the an ability of, of the movement to reach out, and, and the key force in doing that would have been the labour movement, uh, which was in a powerful position at that point. No. Regarding the events uh, in the run-up to the Battle of the Bogside, Killian, can you paint a picture? What unfolded in Derry? How did it unfold? Okay, well, the immediate event was um, the the annual Apprentice Boys March, which was on October, sorry, August uh, the 12th, uh, 1969. And obviously in the year of 1969, there was sectarian sectarianism being ratcheted up by the Union Estate, by Paisley forces against the civil rights movement and that sectarian tension found you know in in the summer of 1969 every summer i suppose there's sectarian tension around the question of marches but it was in 1969 it became more ratcheted up this year the the apprentice boys march took place on august uh, say on august the 12th about 15,000 people participated within it they marched along the the walls of Derry and so on and it was anticipated that you could have uh, violence in this context um, there was various sectarian taunting from those on the protest local working class Catholic youth came down there was potentially some missile phone taunting taking place and so on that was it has to be said opposed and they were the members of the Derry uh, Labour Party and the young socialists, you know, representatives of socialist and labour movement in Derry, you know, tried to restrain Catholic youth. They did not want any sectarian violence uh, breaking out or rioting and so on. But what provoked it was whatever happened, the RUC used a pretext, uh, supposed pretext of a missile being fired or taunts being made uh, as in a basis to, if you like, launch an all out attack uh, on the on the bog side and the Craigan, uh, you know, predominantly, well, almost where you had important concentration of the working class, uh, of uh, the Catholic working class of Derry. And um, then that immediately changed and that went from, you know, restraining people from engaging in sectarian tones to defence uh, of the bog side and, uh, and, and, uh, and uh, you know, and the Craigan against this all-out attack. For no, you know, for the obvious reason that the RUC was a blatantly uh, a sectarian uh, police force and arm uh, militia of the uh, the northern state, uh, and that in effect uh, meant straight away on the twelfth and, and f- uh, for the next two days, you had the Battle of the Bogside, where in effect you had uh, a defence of uh, the area from the RUC, where they it's estimated about three thousand two hundred RUC officers were brought in to try and attack and break uh, get into the bog side but it became in effect a no-go area for the state barricades were put up uh, effectively you had assembly line effect uh, you know basically the entire working class part of our working class of the bog side and craig and rose up there was a, an uprising uh, against the state and um if you like it a factory line of petrol bombs stones and so on being constructed by local women in the area, by young people, and so forth, 
to prevent the RUC from coming in. And it was a very courageous and heroic defense of of the bog side of what was then called uh, Free Dairy. And you, those participating in it were, for example, people like Bernadette Devlin. There was a famous photograph of her, uh, you know, smashing a, you know, a big rock to try and make more rocks because that's what they were trying to do. So it's estimated, or as I say, by 3,200 or you see officers trying to attack the area by 600 were injured as a result of the, the, the defense of the city. And, you know, it was in this context that the the unionist state, uh, which was this was in some ways an affront to their prestige, that you had this uprising against the state, that you had talk of bringing in the, the B specials, which were, you know, uh, even more blatantly sectarian, thuggish police force. They had been, you know, they were armed and uh, there was talk that, and the, the threat was that the, the B-specials had come, had been brought into Derry and were on the edge of the bog side, ready to be sent in. Uh, and had they been sent in, it wasn't, it wasn't just that people would have been clubbed or injured, this would have and amounted to a pogrom of the, you know, the people of the bog side and the Craigan, uh, which in turn would have drastically, massively, inflamed the entire situation in the north and in the south it would have led to an all-out sectarian civil war there's no question about that and the really i think the what the events were it was in this context that the you know the british ruling class became increasingly you know worried and that's when you know that's why the the question of uh, british uh, that's why in reality uh, troops going in into the north um maybe we can discuss that later but that was the really important uh, context. So I think the the resistance that took place was obviously extremely courageous and won the admiration of you know, working class people, not just in the South, but globally. Mm-hmm. But it def- definitely marked uh, a, a decisive explosion in the situation in the North. As Kelly has just touched upon, um, the bog side uh, or the events at the bog side would have reverberated and impacted island-wide and internationally but what reflection did that have in Belfast eh? um, Kevin can you come in and uh, just describe what the events uh, were like in Belfast uh, around the time of the Battle of the Bogside part of obviously the impact of both the um, Battle of the Bogside and the trees going in was for protests being to be organised across the north but in Belfast of course there was a lot of pressure not to organise protests because of the threats of uh, sectarian reaction. And the comments uh, of the Taoiseach at the time added uh, a lot of fuel to the to the fire uh, of uh, that concern where he made the comments that, um, that the Irish government wouldn't send, uh, send, send, stand idly by uh, and do nothing. And he moved... Uh, um, Army hospitals to the to, to established army hospitals in the north in response, and the fear was that that was a precursor to a, uh, an invasion of Irish uh, troops to the north of Ireland. There was also speculation or fear of uh, an IRA uprising, and of course, the propaganda of the union state was that the civil rights movement was led by the IRA, which is which wasn't true, and and was reflected in the the weaknesses of. Uh, uh, of the IRA um, militarily where when they did try and defend areas in Belfast the only 
we will have uh, have a handful of guns in the falls, which would have been not just a heartland during the troubles, but going back decades before that. Uh, and similarly in Ardine and uh, the Short Strands. Um, one of the interesting things that did happen, very important events, uh, was the, the actions of, of working class people, of the trade union movement, of community activists in stopping uh, a shift in the sectarian violence. Um, and that was seen in lots of different examples. Uh, you had pro- probably the most striking example was in the shipyards where you know, the shipyards in the 1920s were the scenes of uh, a sectarian pogrom uh, and there was concerns of such a thing happening again. Um, and the trade union shop stewards organised a protest of 8,000 people, or shipyard workers, uh, where they passed a motion to say that they would to call for peace and for calm uh, and organise a token strike. And the shop stewards then visited the Catholics who uh, said they were scared to return uh, to work uh, in order to, to encourage them to do so. I think that's important because there's an image and you, it's been seen recently in the current shipyard dispute of Kent attempting to, to betray the shipyards as simply having a, a loyalist history whereas actually it has a, a far more diverse history than, than that um, including the history of, of working class people standing together against sectarianism not just then but in the years pre- previous to that and uh, in the years uh, later during, during the, the Troubles. Um, and now we've seen th- those actions were also reflected in, in, in other areas. The attempts to, to stop the mass movement of Catholics and Protestants out of areas, uh, which was considered at one point the, the greatest mass movement of, of people in uh, Western Europe. Up until that point, it was the greatest movement of people in Western Europe up until since the Second World War and trade unions played an important role in, in trying to challenge that where you had the establishment of peace committees vigilante organisations that, that, that acted on an anti-sectarian uh, basis and even community groups putting out appeals to encourage people to uh, uh, that they were welcome uh, um, in the areas in response to, to sectarian violence so um, that history is largely forgotten and, and, and we have a role of uh, helping people to remember that history um, and in particular I think the, the book Common History, Common Struggle uh, outlines many of the events that are, are not known uh, in that period at all. Killian, you alluded to um, the fact that the Labour government uh, sent the British troops into the north. Was this a benign act or what was there a, an ulterior motive to them being set in? Well, the, the viewpoint of the, the ruling class in Britain, and you know, ultimately that's who the Labour government were representing, was that the North was on the precipice, that this could, as I said, lead to all-out sectarian civil war. And why did British imperialism and the British ruling class oppose that? Uh, because it constituted uh, a fundamental tr- threat uh, to their interests in, in Ireland. It was probably the preferred position of the British ruling class in the 60s to have a united Ireland on a, on a capitalist basis. But they were, as I say, fearful, you know, of what that could bring about sectarian civil war. And a sectarian civil war in Ireland is it's different from the kind of sectarian civil war that happened in you know, the Indian subcontinent in 1947, because there was much more of a threat to their interests uh, to such a war in Ireland. 
and in the north because it meant first of all it meant a huge threat to their property their profits uh, in the north itself uh, a war uh, in the north would immediately have an impact in the south there would be a understandably a, a development of uh, an anti-british sentiment in society uh, against british the british ruling class given that his role in fermenting historically sectarianism created the northern state and so on and was part of the united kingdom and that would have meant the seizure of british property the boycott of british property the burning of british property i mean if you take what happened after bloody sunday which was after 14 innocent people were shot dead in derry you had the burning of the british embassy well if you look at something on a much more you know much something much more explosive i think you could look it's going to get an idea of what would happen and then internationally, the, the uh, for, take, for example, what could take place in the United States, where you had a very large and still obviously do have a very large Irish American population, which has, you know, considerable weight politically. The Irish American working class forms a very important part of the US working class. And that in turn could pose problems for British imperialism. Again, if Britain was blamed for these actions, this would uh, immediately pose the question of a boycott of British goods, you know, a, you know, dock workers in the US, which just did again happened after Bloody Sunday, refusing to handle British goods and so on. Um, so it would pose a huge problem for the for British capitalism, and therefore, it, they had to send in the troops, particularly at when you know when it seemed as if on Bloody on uh, in in Derry at the time when you had the B specials ready to go in, there was just a real fear. Of what could be the consequence of that, and how that could uh, could develop. So I think we the real motivations of the the British ruling class were not in defence of the, the the working class, Catholics in Derry or Belfast, or it was ultimately uh, in defence of their profits. And that's an important point because subsequent events would show uh, would prove that um, uh, in terms of the kind of repression uh, that an oppression was meted out to uh, the Catholic working class population uh, in the North. 1969 is seen as the year the Troubles broke out. Was this inevitable or was this preventable? Kevin, what do you think? I think um, if you actually look at uh, the character of the resistance that was developing at that point, that it very much was uh, not inevitable. There was a different uh, way. Um, and a simple way that was seen is that in relation to the British troops going in, that was welcomed by a lot of people, including some of the leaders of the trade, uh, uh, trade union, but also, also the civil rights movement, and was welcomed by uh, um, some of the left, mistakenly. But the approach of, for example, the young people and the labour activists in Derry was more sceptical, and uh, they even produced a um, leaflet to appeal to the soldiers on class basis on saying, these are working class people, uh, what would you do in response to your area being attacked in this way, uh, and asking them not to be used. And the reason I think that example is important is because it's completely at odds with what developed in the later years of the Troubles, where in the Catholic community, uh, not only, you know, the approach of no fraternization was, was what was uh, encouraged. Uh, and, and of course, people were punished for, for fraternizing with soldiers. 
while the approach of the activist in Derry at that point was uh, of class solidarity of class appeals uh, and, and using the methods of, of, of the working class um, and I think that's also seen in, in other actions in, in Derry at that point you've obviously you see the flying of the um, uh, starry fly which in, for our generation is maybe associated with sectarian organisations but back then was associated very much as the, the flag of Connolly uh, a reflection of a, a desire for a very different uh, type of Ireland, not just uh, the coming together of two um, bankrupt states. And then I think if you all, the other side of that is to look at what, what was the, the key forces in the, who played a role in the Troubles. How, how strong were they at this, that point? People like Ian Paisley had very little support. For example, I mentioned earlier the shipyards where 8,000 people came out uh, on trade union protests against sectarian violence. In the same shipyard, they could only get 185 people out to support the PSVI protests. And you have uh, the same problem facing the IRA, which was that their strategy in the 1950s of the border campaign had failed. And people, young people who wanted to fight the uh, um, uh, United States weren't looking to the methods of the IRA of individual terrorism or the actions of uh, individual actions of the IRA, but were looking to to mass struggle and I think the labour movement had played a role linked up with the labour movement in Britain and in the south of Ireland and no one could have had a very different situation. Obviously that didn't happen but I think the 25 years of sectarian conflict that that happened afterwards also had in it the lessons of, of why it wasn't an, an, wasn't an inevitable uh, process. I'll give one example is in the battle of, uh, what I, I mentioned earlier the 5th of October one of the young people who got politically active on the 5th of October was a guy called uh, Mickey Devine he got active in the Young Socialists played a role in in, 60, in, the, uh, in uh, August 69 uh, and in the period um, after the lack of a strategy on behalf of the leadership of the labour movement and the violence that he, he would see from the British Army, including, uh, I think, seeing the British Army killing innocent young people, forced him into the methods of first the official IRA and then to the the, the INLA, and he would die um, later on, on, on hunger strike. And you just have an entire generation of young people like that who um, went into, ended up in the prison system, ended up dead or, uh, or emigrating away from the situation. And the final point and why I think it wasn't inevitable is that there was resistance to attempts to, to, to develop uh, sectarianism against a sectarian reaction, uh, as seen in the shipyard and elsewhere. But also, that happened throughout the Troubles. And it happened in a way that stopped uh, the Troubles uh, uh, developing into an all-out civil war. So in 1972, it was one of the worst years of the Troubles. Uh, you have development of trade union protests against uh, what is happening, particularly against tit-for-tat killings uh, that play a role in tracking uh, sectarian conflict. And I think the history uh, for us today is that um, the sectarian forces can grow, can grow the base of society as long as the conditions of poverty um, uh, exist and a, a sectarian uh, division exists, then, then sectarian forces will, will find uh, um, a place to grow. But there will always be there will always be the potential for a movement against uh, and uh, to win young people 
two different society, and that is is the labour movement and the, and the socialist movement. Like you know, and it's, for us, it's a question of the having a leadership uh, capable to, to seize that initiative. Well, do you want to come in on some of those points, Kelly? You know, uh, yeah, I think the just to go back earlier to the question of uh, the entrance of British troops, because that's an example of where you know. Well, it was inevitable that British troops were going to or would have to come in to defend the Catholic population, and there wasn't an alternative. And I think the events in Belfast, in terms of the development of peace committees, anti-sectarian committees, although they are very embryonic nature, they do point to something uh, in terms of the kind of the, the the fundamental consciousness and attitudes of working class people, which was opposition to sectarian conflict, and the. You know, the authority that the workers' movement had, the leadership of the workers' movement had, the trade unions and Northern Ireland Labour Party, uh, how that could have been used and how that was squandered is obviously something uh, which is, you know, very important for today. Okay, and to sum up, what are the key lessons for this period today, Killian? Well, I think uh, Kevin touched on, on it already about the potential for sectarian forces to grow relatively quickly in a short period of time. But it also shows there's a reverse of that, which is the potential in the context of explosive events with the correct leadership, the potential for socialist forces to grow as well and left wing forces to grow. Because ultimately, you know, the material conditions of capitalism on this island are creating the basis for, you know, sectarian conflict. But they're also preparing the material basis for the unity of the working class for struggle. Uh, We see that with Harlan Wolf. Uh, We see that with the civil servant strike in the more recent period that you know what capitalism means on this island and globally is you know a deterioration in the living standards of working class people and an assault on our living standards and also it's a system based on you know oppression on discrimination and so forth which can also have a hugely uh, uh, radicalizing effect on young people on young women lgbt people uh, and so on i think the crucial lesson is is that as i say i a small force can grow to a rapid force in a relatively short period of time. If you had had a small socialist organization in the North in the mid-1960s that was based in key workplaces, that had a base amongst young people, had an orientation towards the working class and its organizations, and was preparing for you know, these explosive events to develop the civil rights movement, the struggles that were taking place in the trade union movement and so on. And it was also organised in the South as well amongst workers and young people. Then I think on the basis of these events, uh, on the on the radicalisation that was taking place in this, you know, what was a revolutionary situation in Derry, for example, around the time of the Bogside, you know, a socialist organisation could have grown massively if it was rooted in the Derry Labour Party, if it had a coherent, a revolutionary party with a coherent programme then it could have played that role in organising and bringing together the different sections of the working class and young people and having, you know, a base and authority amongst the working class that could have led not only to a struggle against the northern state, but opened up a struggle against the southern state, rejecting the ideas of right wing and nationalism and unionism and, you know, posed a, a fundamentally different history on this island because, you know, 1969 and the 1970s and 80s, they... There were these often were very grim times that there were periods of in which the working class was able to take ensure that as kevin pointed out that this didn't spill out into sectarian civil war but they were grim times and they're a reminder 
of what can take can take place when an alternative is not being built um when the the leaders of the labor movement don't build an alternative to entire generations of working class youth were lost to the paramilitaries so it's about you know seizing the time preparing for explosions to take place it's understanding how international impact events as we touched on earlier can have an impact on the events on this island um so i think these are all very important lessons that we have to to learn this has been dangerous ideas thanks very much to killian and kevin for participating it's been an enriching discussion and if you agree if you've been intrigued if you would like to find out more find us on facebook instagram twitter and socialistparty.ie we have articles up on the Battle of the Bog site. We have regular articles and content. So if you're interested in finding out more about socialist ideas and the struggle for a socialist alternative in Ireland and internationally, feel free to contact us. Thanks very much for tuning in. We'll talk to you soon. Or you'll be hearing from us soon. Bye, 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 bye.